0: MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, October 3rd, 2022, and this week's episode, Spook Season, promises a banger October. We'll talk about a very loaded weekend in MMA, UFC Vegas 61, and the strawweight main event between Mackenzie Dern and Jan Shonan. We'll talk about Bellator 286, Patricio Pitbull taking on Adam Boric. AJ McKean, Spike Carlisle, and we'll even touch on some one on Prime Video too. the main event trilogy between Angela Lee and Jung Jinan. Uh, my name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and my co-host is Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G.
1: Happy October. How are you, man?
0: You know what? I'm just... Uh, UFC 280 is finally here. <laughs> one month, that freaking loaded supercard, I can't wait. Um, I feel like we've just, ever since they've announced it, everyone's just kind of been like, yeah, yeah, you know, Hamza, Nate, Hamza, this, and we got a little bit of Usman Edwards, but it's like, nah, like, we know what we're waiting for. Let's get it. So uh, I'll say this. I like that. um, I don't know. It feels very festive. I think this feels like the very first, um, this feels like the first official Halloween since the apocalypse <laughs> you know like last year uh, but this year it's like you know masks have been off for a long time now yeah. everything's just felt open so I feel like a renewed vigor for spook season what about you
1: yeah I think so uh, I'm gonna go get a pump get some pumpkins for my boy to uh, decorate and uh, you know yeah as far as uh, MMA goes and the world, I'm happy about the the masks. I got my COVID, whatever the this number booster is. I got that one. Got my flu shot. Feeling pretty good.
0: Well, there you go. You are definitely prepared. Mm-hmm. You know who else was prepared? Yan <laughs> Shonan. This okay. past Saturday against Mackenzie Dern. Um, so five rounder. Uh, we will get into the zuck of it all after breaking cool. down the fight. But um, look, uh, I think the big thing about this one, and I think that this has been her struggle of the last year, is that she kind of flew under the radar. I want to say, oh my gosh, I have to double check. Uh, No, 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 I'm thinking somebody else. But the fact is, uh, Carla Esparza, you know, she flies under the radar, runs into Carla Esparza, runs into Buzzsaw Carla Esparza. Right. Some of the last time Carla Esparza ever dominated anyone like that, and she just, you know...
1: That was superb, yeah.
0: Yeah, her breakthrough moment really goes bad, and now it's like, well, were you kind of just all hyped? Did you, you know, protected, easy route, easy win streak, blah, 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 you get what I mean? Mm -hmm. Marina Rodriguez takes her on, and to a lot of people, Jan Shanan might have edged it out, but the decision goes to Marina... Okay, so, you know, but suddenly Jan Shannan is like, oh, you know, like, we kind of wrote you off after Carla. Maybe we spoke too soon with Marina because everyone respects what Marina brings to the table. And now this one, taking on someone everyone knew. All the attention was on Mackenzie Dern. I didn't really see Jan really do any media. Part of that is, look, coming from China and, you know, there's not an MMA junkie person in China, right? You know, right. she doesn't do too much, so... Really, media day, that eight minutes or so is the only conversation we really get with Jan. And then, you know, she goes out there and just has a spectacular performance. I really thought that she did a great job. Shot selection, she just seemed to counter McKenzie perfectly every time McKenzie ended her combination. McKenzie would drop the hands, Jan would catch her, caught her coming in, takedown defense was on point. Um, She just... Felt It felt like she was just making all the reads. She knew when McKenzie was going to change levels, sprawl, control, break out of it. She went to the mat a few times. Um, outside, I believe, is in the second round. Um, McKenzie goes for the arm triangle. But really, for as long as that fight went, I think that Yan Chanan did a fantastic job, probably since uh, Amanda Arribas with McKenzie of never really being in trouble. I never felt like, oh my gosh, you know, like Mackenzie's got her and she's on a roll. Really, outside of the second round, Yan Shanan really neutralized the weapons Mackenzie, obviously the grappling, and then she did work on the feet. Just a very comprehensive victory for Yan Shanan. What about you?
1: I agree. It was um, pretty clear round through round. You know, of course, Mackenzie had her moments, but the shocking thing to me was that she was basically neutralized. Like, Jan Shanan's grappling, takedown defense was so on point. You know, she said as much as she was training, you know, that pretty intensely. And it showed. I mean, it wasn't just training, though. It was just determination and grit to not be dominated by this fighter who's known for dominating everyone in in that area of, of MMA. So it was a really big win. Mackenzie Dern looked fine. You know, there's something about, and I think I've said this before, sort of like Ronda Rousey, when you're coming from such a grapple-heavy background, it takes a long time to change the way your body sits, the way you, where you distribute your weight in MMA, when you're standing up, when you're on your feet. And so she's a lot better at that, distributing her weight in a, more of a striker stance when she's on her feet. You know, obviously, Jason Perillo being in that camp has transformed her enormously. But there's just still work to do, and that's fine. That's to be expected. Like, with that background of just jiu-jitsu for so long and being the best at it for so long, it's going to take a while. But she's put in the work, man, and I think that there's still, um, you know, a, a bright future for Mackenzie Dern. Like, this doesn't, this doesn't curtail that at all. But it was surprising, and if you're, if, it was surprising how well she was neutralized. So if you're somebody else in that division, I think it gives you a little boost of confidence that that there is a, a way around that that intimidating offense that she came into the UFC with. And so, you know, she'll continue to improve. But Yan shanan like just showed that she's really a, a killer, and she's ready to to get to that title shot. So that's more what i'm thinking about is what's next for her
0: yeah i also want to acknowledge i, I do remember yan Shanan's now with um your favor and the team yeah. at alpha male yeah yeah similar to song Yedong, who we just yeah. saw recently um i don't know what it is because i know your for example once upon a time worked with the korean zombie and it's um look these contenders from china i don't know what it is if it's just like the attention they could get at alpha but yeah, uh, clearly it's working for them with Yan and with Song. Yeah, so I want to acknowledge that. But um, in Sacramento, yeah, w- with Yan Chanan, I think the biggest thing is I saw that fight and I'm like, okay, well, where's Rose Namajunas? Yeah, because now I'll be honest, I, I really thought by the end of the year we would get Marina versus Rose, whether it be December, whether they. You know, maybe Rose back to Brazil to take on Marina, who's obviously Brazilian, and like, okay, you know, something like that. Get us, get them on the timetable for the Esparza, Esparza Weili Zhang winner, right? Instead, the fact that we don't have an update on Rose makes me feel like they're gonna go Marina if she wins, taking on either Carla or Weili. Doesn't matter who comes out of it with the belt, right? Yeah. And Rose Yunus is not going to be going into a title eliminator. Rose is going to go into something else. Perfect fight for Yang Shannon. If you're for Chenan, it you know, that's the opponent that it gets you back to the title. The one caveat, and maybe this helps that Rose hasn't been booked. Should Zhang Wei Li beat Carla, then we have a scenario where it's like, well... Does the UFC want to set it up where they don't have a fresh contender besides Rose? Because, uh, respectfully, this isn't Moreno, Figueroa four. There's other girls. I don't think they want to do Wei Rose, three, after Rose got the two, two of them back to back. So, even, hey, look, it at least took two years before we got Max and Alex number three, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So that okay. would be my one thing, but my thing about that is Jan Shannon versus Rose. Marina obviously has a fight with Amanda Lemos, and I think that that's—Lemos kind of—look, uh, she bounced back from her main event loss to Andraj, but I think people feel like Marina's still on another level. Obviously, this is why they fight the fights, but that's my crystal ball of how those pieces may play out at straw weight. Do you have anything more to add?
1: No, I don't. You, n- you nailed it.
0: Don't I always? I was going to say as usual. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, you know what, man? That crowd at the Apex on Saturday. Oh. like, bro, it was, it was
1: bumping.
0: It was really, it was so meta, wasn't it? It's <laughs> uh, uh, embarrassing, but anyway.
1: Okay, ahead, so, up, so
0: look. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to give, I'm going to break the fourth wall. There is a website and all this that the media, like myself, and let me just make it clear the John Morgans, the Schmoes, the Jose Young MMA Fightings, the Oscar Willis MacLifes. there is a website we all use through UFC where we apply for our credentials. I'm going to tell you something right now. Suspiciously, this card was for, I believe, more than a month, was actually the only one where we couldn't really apply for it after a certain point. And I'm not going to give more details. I will say I was given a different answer than what we got on, than what became the rumor this week, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that. And then, of course, come uh, Monday, oh, the event is closed to the public and the media. And for fans, like many people, because there's not a lot of seating, if you've never been to the Apex... It's essentially a bit like a office, believe it or not. So there's a lobby and there's a front desk and everything. There's a separate room that is the media room where they have a bunch of tables and all that. That's where a lot of the scrums tend to take place. Uh Then there is a longer, I'm almost going to call it for want of a better word, a ballroom. And essentially that room is split in half almost every time I've ever been there. And half of it, it has the big media day. So if you'll remember during the pandemic, the press Mm -hmm. conferences were in there and all that. Yeah. There's a giant sliding wall that when you open it, it turns into the big apex room that you guys see on TV with the arena and the big screen and all that. And then there's other floors, and that's where the offices of Dana and other people who work there work. So when I hear no media... I'm a little surprised because it's like if you were to say, hey, you guys cannot go further than the front desk in the bathroom. You guys can't sit cage side this week. We really wouldn't be able to see anything they might have going on. Like, okay, you bring people in through the back door, even through the front door. What are they doing? Couldn't tell you. If I'm in the media room, honestly, wouldn't see it unless it's on TV, which obviously they still broadcast. And so the fact that they decided, hey, we want to close everything, really made it very different. And then, of course, the Zuckerberg of it all, that rumor comes out. We see him on Saturday. It just became like, okay, are we getting a Facebook event? Are we getting a meta event? And people had their thoughts. And so before I give mine, I'm going to toss it to you, because I think I've kind of set it up why this was so unusual like put it this way media can be there very easily without being in the room to see any secret stuff going on right i'll leave it i'll toss it to you
1: well yes very strange um i wasn't as you know in the know with with tracking what was going on but it was definitely popping up in my uh my sphere like what what's what's all these conversations about and um when it finally revealed itself I mean, I don't know if you can measure degree of eye roll, but uh, it was pretty severe on my end. And I, of course, I'm, I'm, you know, a participant in all these social media platforms, just like most everybody else. And so you could say, well, if you hate, yeah. if you dislike the guy so much, don't use, you know, this or that or well, you know, well, easier said than done. The, my issue isn't you know, I can keep my life separate from that world. My issue is, like, why is that world coming into MMA? And that's what really threw me off. And specifically, the, the buying out of, or however the arrangement was made to, to close off the Apex to a, anybody but his crew, that was just uh, it was kind of icky. You know, it was kind of weird. And, like, would I have cared if it was um, The Rock or, you know, Brad Pitt or I don't know anybody, uh you know, Martha Stewart, no, I wouldn't have cared. I would have been like, Oh, that's fun. But for some reason, with it being this guy who's uh who's definitely polarizing, it really rubbed me the wrong way. And uh I don't know what it means for their future relationships, you know, Zuck and, and Dana. Um, but it probably means there's some kind of partnership in the works. And uh I'm not going to stop watching the UFC. I'm not one of those people, but it it does make me kind of, you know, it it makes me a little annoyed. What about you?
0: All right. So I I think now the UFC is in a very awkward place, but I'm not going to lie. It is nothing compared to, you know, first event back and, uh, you know, the, Are they putting everything at risk for the sake of letting the show go on? You know what I mean? So uh, nothing compared to that when you talk about flirting with controversy. What I will say is that if we do not see a tangible partnership, it's going to make, and mind you, he has enough money that no one cares, it's going to make it look like, I'm going to just say it, like, What rich people do with their money is their business. But at a certain point, it kind of feels like you just rubbed it in. Like if we do not see any type of collaboration, it's going to feel like Zuckerberg just didn't want to sit amongst the people and wanted his own private UFC event, which, mind you, that's not unheard of. People get John Legend for weddings. People, if you're rich enough, you rent out uh staples center now crypto arena or madison square garden and you just um what's it called Uh, you you know you you get the whole the the place for the night and they turn on the big screens for you
1: yeah people do with disneyland too right they buy it out yeah
0: those are private things though Mm -hmm. this thing we got how long was the broadcast seven eight hours (laughs) six hours (laughs) yeah Zuckerberg right there behind the blue corner or red corner I gotta say it um once again must be nice to be that rich (laughs) I'm not saying I wouldn't go crazy if I had billionaire not millionaire billionaire type of money yeah that being said I couldn't help but think like this is just a little like like bruh we get it you're rich but dang man like I (laughs) wonder
1: what they charged him. You know, you know how these rich people always get like better deals than regular people. So he probably didn't even have to pay that much.
0: Well, uh, I'd also like to point out, remember, Facebook also owns Instagram. Right. Yeah. So imagine if Zuckerberg, you know, look, every businesses today, they work with the algorithm, right? Social media is the new billboard and newspaper clipping. Um. Imagine if Zuck said to Dana, "Hey, like I'll even make it so all the NFL people get UFC stuff on their feed recommended." Jeez. I mean, I'm that's that's, sure. that's how that's how many millions in advertising yeah, just That's
1: worth it, yeah.
0: Uh, you tell me, let me tell you some guys. That's very possible for the geniuses who know how the internet works in zeros and ones and HTML. So if you're telling me, Zuck said, hey, we'll do that. And I'm like, bro, like, Dana couldn't probably like, yeah, come on in. Just you, sure. Which seat do you want? Yeah. What, you what, want... what? Do you want us to bring, you know, what? what's your favorite candy bar? We'll stock it at the, <laughs> the concession.
1: <laughs> Apex oh, does
0: have a concession stand, believe it or not. Oh,
1: okay. Wow. But, um, All right. Now, are there, because what I was reading was that, you know, it was closed off to fans, but... Is I thought Apex was still all those events were still private or is it semi not you know not private like the way Zuck did it but Zuckerberg excuse me. No. Um, but could you like buy a, a ticket and go to these Apex events?
0: Yeah, okay. uh, it's for about a close most of this year I believe. Okay. Uh, oh no, going back to last year. Um, Does it
1: sell out pretty fast? Because it's not. I mean, it's obviously not. There's very, big.
0: very there's very few tickets. What I will say is that because it let's be honest every seat is like a great floor seat of course so, yeah you know for some of these cards not so much this year cuz obviously they've put the focus on the better cards being for the live gate but they are they, they do sell out and the tickets do the tickets are pricey i think it's several hundred even for a um i'll say a subpar stacked event at the apex But like, for example, you remember Max versus Yair was like a thousand bucks, because there's only like a hundred tickets. There's not. You can maybe squeeze a hundred fans into the Apex. You get what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Maybe a little more if everyone's small and you know, yeah. But anyway, um. Yeah, so that's my thing. Look, uh, obviously Dana tees to Yahoo Sports. They have something, but. The whole thing just became a whole like, uh, you know, like. It did feel like a bit of a flex of his wealth on live television. Yeah. But once again, that what he does with his money is his business. The UFC could have said, hey, like we could hook you up with the VIP and we'll put some people so no one bothers you. But we can't just close it off. So I'm going to for the record, I think there's more going on, but. I'd be lying for if I said it didn't feel a little like, what, what are we doing, man, you know?
1: You know, what's weird to me is that it's not like he is a, the kind of personality that would get swarmed by fans, like <laughs> um, Kanye West or something. And so I'm thinking, like, uh, that's one. And then two, if you really are a fan, don't you want to be with the crowd? Like, that's part of the experience. But you want to do this, like, weird, creepy, underground, basement vibe you know whatever and and like i said who's going to be trying to get a picture with him maybe maybe some people will hey
0: everybody everybody asking him to verify their instagram and facebook <laughs> yep hey can you be my friend on facebook mark i would oh like just gosh. to flex it you know but that's um, funny like i said I, i'm sure there'll be a collaboration but it did feel for a minute like that's just a little you know, because, like, the one photo of him besides the UFC one is him, like, cheering by himself for UFC. Yeah. So, it kinda made it feel like, you know, did you not want us there, Mark? What? I know. <laughs> like, the Lakers don't play for just two people just because people ask, right? So, but once again, hey, do what you do, right? I'm I honest. mean,
1: yeah. If I had a bajillion dollars, maybe. I mean, maybe I would buy out the Apex, but I would want it to be full of people. So I wouldn't yeah.
0: just be like a weirdo in corner or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, um, let's talk of some Bellator. So uh, 286 in Long Beach. I was there. I was there during the week. No, I was not there for Paulo Costa and the Liver King. To be honest, eating that much raw red meat makes me queasy, but that's beside the point. Um, we had a, quite, a, quite the interesting doubleheader. Pitbull and AJ, but not against each other. And... I I will touch on this before we get into that. It felt like that was going to be an issue, and I feel like both of them could have cared less that they were actually in the same room on the same card. Like, it's just whatever. And so we got the main event, Patricio Pitbull taking on Adam Boric, obviously another young contender, you know, obviously hungry for the title, but from Hungary. (laughs) And obviously we knew the, the legend of, you know, Obviously, you got the best guy in homegrown in the history of Bellator and Pitbull. And really, this became more so than the Dern Shonan fight. Pitbull was in full control speed, shot selection. He knows how to where to be, when to be there, and when to get out of the way. And I think that Adam Boric, despite being taller, longer, rangier, younger, he just never could really catch up to Pitbull. Never could put significant combinations together. And he just kind of found himself, you know, overmatched in this one. And once again, like I said, young guy, a lot of upside. Yeah. You can only grow from a fight like this at that age. You know, are his title hopes over? No, absolutely not. That being said, we were really reminded why Pitbull has been... Head and shoulders ahead of everybody, really, for a long time in Bellator. And uh, what are your thoughts on the fight before we talk about the future?
1: Yeah, Pitbull was just dominating. It, he was, it reminded me of uh, Volkanovski versus Holloway 3, where you could really see the gap in, in the skill set there. And this was Pitbull just kind of... He wasn't cruising. He had to work. But it was very smooth for him. And you know what I love? Those moments where he caught those flying mm-hmm. knees. That was crazy. Like, who does that? He didn't even get hit by them. He his his reflexes are so fast that he saw the knees coming up, grabbed them, and then flipped him and dropped forks uh, onto the canvas. You know, Pitbull, you don't need me to say this, but he's a special dude. And it got me thinking about his contract and what you know what his future is. But just from what I know of him and, and what I've seen he strikes me as the kind of guy that just wants to stay at Bellator and just do his thing and be the king so you know curious what what his uh contract looks like but, but the big takeaway is that he's just still you know many levels above the rest of the competition in that division
0: i mean uh, all of them have kind of acknowledged this and uh, i think people has too but I, I think that there is a bit of a comfort level. There's a fact that, like, if he were to jump over to UFC tomorrow, while he would be an immediate contender, I don't think he feels like he would get the same fanfare. Like, like put, put it this way. If they got a deal done, they probably wouldn't do Pitbull versus Volk in Brazil. Now, mind you, I don't know if that... Let's say they did Pitbull-Volk in Australia. That could be another story. But the fact is, I, I think that a guy like Pitbull, on paper, should probably headline a pay per view, big fight, right? Especially if it's in, um, you know, that part of the world. Instead, I think he feels like, let's be honest, you would put me as like co main event to somebody. Like, so I think that's one thing. I think that the marketability he becomes in a, a much bigger pond, and I think that's harder financially, right? Secondly, yeah, I think that Bellator, he probably does mean a lot to Bellator. That treats him great. They have his brother as champion. There's all of this, you know, control of the environment that would go out the window if he goes to UFC. Even more so than Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler was the man, but even Michael Chandler, I think, you know, he was not top to bottom with his team really baked into Bellator. Now, that being said, he knows dang well. He would love to have a fight with Volkanovsky. He would love to add that to his resume. Most people who really know their stuff would tell you Pitbull is probably top three threats to a guy even as great as Alex. So having all of that, it does, you know, he acknowledges it. But once again, he's a little bit like Jose Aldo, just I'm here to kick butt and go home. You know, I'm not... I know who I got beef with. I know who I don't. I'm just here to beat everybody and do my thing. And that's just the end of that. The bravado that you see from other contenders and other people. Yeah. It's just not his style.
1: So. No, it's not. And I, I like that. I like that he's just like the stoic, you know, ice cold killer. Um, I appreciate it. But, you know, it's impossible not to not to wonder what what those matchups could look like. So, But, yeah, I agree with you. He seems like. Like Very much like Jose Aldo, where it's just, I'm here, I'm going to do my thing, and if an opportunity presents itself, we'll we'll talk about it. But he's not angling for anything.
0: Well, on that, let's talk about what could be next for Pitbull. So we will talk about the fight itself, but AJ McKee, one thing I will say is I just think that ship has sailed. I think that they're kind of like now Amanda Nunes and Valentina. The fight is always... There's never a bad time for the fight, but AJ moving up to lightweight, and Patricio, I think that he just, at least at this juncture for a while, he sees it as AJ is now patricky's problem. That's a fight for his brother Patricchi, who's currently the lightweight champ. And so I don't think that that fight is really in the near future. Obviously, it could happen if they decide, hey, like, what else is happening? Jeremy Kennedy, tough veteran, got the win over Pico, although controversially, and we'll talk about that. not controversially, just an unfortunate turn of events. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Uh, at featherweight, I, I will say, I feel comfortable saying, he's really swept the board. He's beaten AJ. He beat Boric. Pico did not get the victory. I could see this being a good time for him to maybe sit back and now target the Grand Prix winner early next year, whether it be Stott, Sabatello, if one of the alternates gets it. Well, you know what? Dang, even then, it's a while before he could get his hands on the bantamweight title. I forget they're in the semifinals. Um, ugh. You know what? I'll just leave it at that. I think that... He's probably, I say, take Jeremy Kennedy, and let's see where we're at next summer. Like, okay, is where's Patricky in the Grand Prix? Where's you know, were they able to get the finals done at the Bannonway Grand Prix in short order? And then we could see about the next move. But for right now, I think Jeremy Kennedy, the other, more enticing fights, the fact is everyone else has other business. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and um, you know, as far as AJ goes, I'm not chomping at the bit to see that against Pitbull at, at 145, and Pitbull and his brother, I, I appreciate that respect that they have for each other, not stepping on each other's toes, so yeah, you move up to, eight, to, to 155 AJ, okay, now you're my brother's problem. Brother. I like that. I'm okay with that. As far as Pitbull at 145, yeah, this is one of those scenarios a little bit like a Shevchenko where it's just conveyor belt and, you know, who's next. That's one at least one or two fights in, you know, recent history. Then you get to fight Pitbull. And so that's fine. Like some divisions just are like that. And it is what it is. Like you're just, you're that good. And so it gets a little bit slim pickings, but, you know, you defend your belt, and you just add these notches to to the, to the bedposts, right? So, so I'm okay with that. I like it. It's not the most thrilling scenario, but it's fine.
0: I will also acknowledge that's more high-risk, low-reward for Pitbull now because if you move up and you lose to AJ potentially, that just makes you look worse. So, you know, if AJ is the one who wanted to move up, that's not really on Pitbull, so... Yeah, they'll all figure that out, but I think we're in a wait-and-see pattern. Talking about the co event, though, obviously, AJ McKee, just that first minute or so with Spike Carlisle, I think. I'll just say it. I think people forgot about the wild man that Spike is. Right. Obviously, you saw. I've seen him on the regional scene. He's a SoCal guy. Obviously, he got to do his thing in UFC, and that got a lot of attention. Um, He's fought... He's fought for everybody since then. He's fought for, I think, LFA, Ryzen, Cage Warriors. He... That dude gets around. I'll just say that. Um, that was a very fun fight. After a while, you could see... And AJ acknowledged this. He kept lighting him up. I think one of Spike's problems, unfortunately, he just goes off so quickly that he, he gasses out. He's gassed out in a several fights that we've seen in, on big stages. He looked tired, but AJ just not, never really could do the damage to put him away, put him in a bad enough position. There was that whole thing in the second round where I'm going to say he defiles Spike a little bit, and I, that made me uncomfortable, I'll be quite honest with you. Um, but look, this is a fun fight, but just a really... One way traffic after a while for AJ McKee. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was one way traffic. It was a fun fight, but I was very surprised that AJ couldn't finish Spike, considering how tired he appeared to everybody there. Um, you know, when when the fight gets bloody, it's always a little more exciting. Not to sound you know twisted, but that added to the drama. Those elbows that AJ was throwing were pretty incredible. Joe. And, um, I thought that, I don't know, man, I gotta tell you, I've never seen elbows thrown that, that effectively, that not effectively, but like they were just coming from this crazy angle. So I was really impressed with that. But, uh, yes, as for that moment, uh, the innocent mind that I have at first, I thought he was trying to like shuck him off. I was like, what is he doing? Is he trying to get free? I didn't understand, but as it kept going, I thought, oh, I see. <laughs> That's not a that's not anything uh related to mma that's that's personal or he's having fun he's trying to put on a show for his fans in long beach right trying to give them something to get excited for i thought that was probably you know the most exciting of the fights and so i'm glad that his fan base got to see him do his thing but still very very surprised that he couldn't finish spike does that speak more to spike's You know, Britt, it, or was AJ just having a little bit of an off night? I don't
0: know. Yeah, uh, I think that AJ acknowledged that, like, uh, even though it's just 10 pounds featherweight to lightweight, the size, he could really feel it. He said when he tried to take down Spike, he was like, man, this this guy, this is a big boy he's dealing with. Now, I acknowledge this. It took Dustin Poirier a while to really fill out and be a strong lightweight, right? Yeah, this same thing. I think uh, yeah, yeah. Charles, even though he spent his career lightweight um, to that point, I think that the, I think had AJ gotten the finish, it might have been a little different. But I will say that this makes me feel like, hey, you're going to want to take your time because skill wise, the competition gets a lot tougher than Spike Carlisle. And then you talk about, okay, you're going to be trying to fight Patrik people, right? You're going to try to fight Brent Primis, Islam Madoff, who fought on Saturday. Uh, Uzman Nurmag- sorry, Uzman Namagamadoff, that felt like I said the same name. Um, the fact is, the competition gets better, bigger, stronger. So I think the best thing that could happen for AJ McKee is you kind of hit the gym later this week and you just start working on just that. Focus on diet, strength and conditioning because if you do want to hang with those big dogs, no pun intended to pit bull, you're going to have to be ready for that because it's only going to get tougher. And I don't know if the Grand Prix schedule is going to afford him the time that he probably should take to be ready for that.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, he should go on the uh, Conor McGregor diet. Have you seen that man lately,
0: <laughs> Bruh. Uh,
1: <laughs> not to sidetrack I side just want us. him to
0: sit on the scale and show me he's a middleweight. I think fans would lose it.
1: I mean, I just feel like he doesn't look. You know, he's so huge. He he doesn't. I don't feel. I feel like all that nimbleness. He nimbleness. He always aspired to is is gone. Like you oh can't yeah, see.
0: all that precision beats power is out the door now. Yep, I think so. <laughs> like, remember when precision beats power? Then he's yep. like, hey. Timing
1: beats speed, yeah,
0: yep. The meme, precision beats power, and then Connor just flexing anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> um, let's talk a bit of Grand Prix. So you've got the lightweight title on the line next month in Bellator with Patricky and Usman. Both of those guys figured to uh, be in the mix. Benson Henderson got the win in Ireland last week. Islam Mamedov, who I don't know how they'll do that because him and Usman are teammates. And, you know, they all seem to be related to Habib, just how tight they are. But you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. like it's, this isn't American top team where there's 500 yeah. athletes. This is a tight crew. Um, obviously now AJ. I, I think after that one, Spike Carlisle, too. What are your thoughts on a potential lightweight Grand Prix with everybody there?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a great lineup here, a strong lineup of good names, and and that's something that Bellator and Scott Coker have been able to do with each of these Grand Prixs since which one was the first one, the light heavyweight one. You know, they they make a they put enough good names on a poster, and you get excited. It's just the issue of speed that I think I still. Um, i'm not happy satisfied with they got to move it along a little bit i know covid really delayed things but even before that it still took a little bit longer than you would have wanted now okay the fighters want time to recover and whatnot but man a tournament's a tournament like that's implies there's just less time and so i would like to see them fast track this one i doubt they will but that would be that would be awesome all that to say, as far as the contenders go, Benson Henderson, this is probably his last big push to get that belt, so I'm really rooting for him. Um, but, you know, y- y- you got you got some good stuff here. Um, this this could be very, very, very interesting.
0: Um, I'd also like to point out um, Eddie Alvarez, free agent. I mean, the prospect of him returning to Bellator, returning to a tournament at this stage, I, I feel like I don't think I named eight fighters. He could very easily be spot number eight, and it would create a lot of attention for everybody. It would. W- it would. Yeah. So, um, on, on the note of the tournaments, though, and this isn't their fault. We were supposed to be done with the light heavyweight tournament. All right. Let's, okay. Let's, for the sake of argument, say, okay, lightweight Grand Prix starts now. It hasn't yet, but they announced it. So, I'm kind of putting it on deck. There are currently three tournaments going on in Bellator. I can't tell you that that has had an effect on the enthusiasm for it. So I do think there's a bit of streamlining that really has to get done. Now look, next month, it's all over, right? Corey Anderson, Vadim, settle it. Hopefully no, no one gets hurt, no controversy. Let's do it. And then you have December, the semifinals. That just leaves the finals in 2023 for the band weights. Okay. I will say that it just, there needs to be a little more with the pageantry. And I think that Bellator, I would hope they revisit, how do they just, how do they make fans feel invested in it? Because we talked about it, all the events feel yeah. the same, look the same, promotion-wise. Yep. They it's do. The, the same poster, it's the same, I, I want a little bit, I want them to say, no, the tournament is different because of this, and we're wearing this. And we're showing that. And when it's a tournament event, the poster looks like this and we're making and we're drawing that up. It otherwise, once again, lather, rinse, repeat. And I don't know how I necessarily feel about that. So Yeah, they've gotten
1: very complacent, right? It's it's so bizarre because Coker was this injection of, you know, ingenuity and creativity into the MMA scene when he came to Bellator, and I don't know why it's tapering off. And you're right, you know, for the posters, you know, you you mentioned that, and it's true. They should definitely get a new graphic designer. But also, um, for the tournament itself, it should look different. It should be branded differently. Maybe get a different sponsor specifically for the tournament. Like, there's so much they could do. I feel like they're just there's just not enough creative minds in the room, and they're not even thinking about trying to be um, innovative. And
0: that's frustrating. They just got to put the graphic designer to work, man. I mean, I think that's it. I know he's on call, but it's like, oh. Let me just copy paste the guys onto the same poster for the t- 50th time, right? That's what I think we got to acknowledge, but Yeah,
1: that would be a great start, right? Just start with the with the eye-catching poster.
0: Yeah. I mean, they've done a few things like they've done away really with regional um, prelims and postlims. They've really because there's less events, I think they've been able to really dial it in. So, for example, from the prelims that was actually a pretty nice group of prelims, if I may be honest, with J.J. Wilson, Sumiko Naba, Islam Mamedov. It just was a really good event. Um, I, I do appreciate that. They've made moves. I just think that they need that spark to really get you to realize it's a different ball game again. And I think that that would go a long way. Um, going uh, off to something else now before we uh, talk about the future. Aaron Pico, Jeremy Kennedy. It starts okay for Pico. (laughs) That fight was just getting warmed up. It was getting good. And then, you know, Jeremy acknowledges it. It just looks like Pico gets just kind of complacent. And then there's that madness in the corner. You can see Pico's arm is clearly off. And they just go off on it, just really yanking it, really trying to get it back into place. And it becomes the whole thing. They're like... I don't think it's dislocated. I don't think you could snap it back in place. It looked like a broken clavicle, which you know, no doesn't need a medical expert. Relo readjusting the shoulder will not fix a broken clavicle, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, um they did get an update, but I want your reaction in the moment seeing all that play out for Pico.
1: Oh yeah, that was uh that was pretty horrifying. You know, there's there's cuts those things make you grimace and and whatnot but something about dislocating joints that's like almost hurts worse to watch. Um, you could see the muscle straight like the striations you know being being yanked on and the little bone popping up. Look, my I know some people that have dislocated shoulders. It's supposed to be very painful. I myself never have, so I'm gonna just assume it was really painful, right and the fact that he was dying to get back in the fight that in mid fight, he was trying to readjust his, to adjust his shoulder. I mean, that is the toughness I haven't seen in a while. It was very, very impressive. And the guy, I mean, did you even see him wince? He was just trying to get his shoulder back in so he could fight. Uh, the scene with Brandon Gibson trying the moment with Brandon Gibson, trying to put the shoulder back into place. Um, that was tough. That was kind of kind of hard to watch. You ever seen someone like, you know, a Little House on the Prairie or something use a water pump, and they're just jacking that thing up and down to get water out? I mean, that's what Brandon Gibson was doing to poor Aaron Pico's arm. You know, I saw the Instagram video that Aaron posted, you know, kind of in a nice way saying, well, Brandon Gibson, you know, doesn't really know how to put a shoulder back into place, but thanks for trying. Yeah, I think that was pretty obvious, you know, yanking on it this way and that way and, and pushing it up and pushing it down. I didn't see Aaron Pico make a face, not even once. So either the nerve was shot or he's just the toughest man on earth. Talk to him, but it sucks because, you know, we don't know how that fight would have played out. The fact that he was so tough and willing to go back in there with his shoulder, unusable, um, speaks volumes to the man. And I really, you know, the hype around him when he came into Bellator and the loss and then having to rebuild himself and those fabulous knockouts, body shots, head shots. He's a really special dude. And I just hope he can recover from this fast. Uh, sometimes it takes just a few months to get everything, you know, back in place and the ligaments to shrink up. Sometimes he needs surgery. We don't know. Uh, that sucks for him. It, re- it really, really does because he was on the precipice of getting a title shot. So,
0: I mean, remember, he's still under 30.
1: Yeah. I mean, this
0: yeah. is take your time. And I think that. Look, obviously, he goes out there, sparks Kennedy. We're having a different conversation. We're saying, hey, people got one last challenge, right? And it would mm-hmm. be the, you know, the souffle is almost ready for Pico. Stuff like that. Instead, with this, I think that the big thing for the fight is just going to be, um, or for him, is just obviously take the time. For Jeremy Kennedy, look, he had a UFC run where he only lost some guy named Alexander Volkanovski. <laughs> That's nothing to scoff at. Now right. he has he has taken L since then, but um, he's as good a candidate as any at this stage of the featherweight division for Patricio Pitbull. I'm good with it, but yeah, just um, Mamba mentality from Aaron Pico. Gosh, like, oh have you ever seen? Uh, okay, final season. I, I remember I watched the game live. Uh, Kobe dislocates his finger um they call a timeout he goes up to the medical trainer Gary Vitti um another Laker legend and he just straight up kind of says to him and then Gary like they have the acknowledgement it's like your finger is like yeah and then just sit there just looks you know takes the hand bam just cracks it out Kobe winces once goes right back out onto the court <laughs> takes his free throws that's crazy man. that's gangster that's what Aaron Pico did on Saturday night You know, so I I just want to acknowledge, I respect it. That's when you know, that's when you got that killer. That meme with, they do the x-ray and the dog is inside the ribs. (laughs) And Pico has that dog in him.
1: Dude, it was unreal, man. Like, didn't, for a second, was, I mean, telling the doctor, oh, no, I'm good, man, I'm good. And there's a big spike protruding, you know, underneath the skin. Like, that dude is something else. You know, you see the the pre-footage of him on his ranch and the else sick bolero hats on his horse and his son has cowboy boots like that dude's a man i i I hope that he comes back soon
0: yeah i i think he will be i think he'll be all right just um what can i say it's time to give it time No, (laughs) no no two ways around it yep um great night in bellator there were some questions on pfl because uh, late in the week, we hear this one, PFL announces that the finals are going to be in New York City. But more importantly, the PFL Championship Night on, I believe it's November 25th, will be their first pay-per-view event. So leading the way is the third match after 2-0 and for Kayla Harrison against Larissa Pacheco. As you'll remember, um, you got several other finalists, uh, Stevie Ray out there, uh, just no Clay Collard, no Ray Cooper III. I want to ask you now, obviously we were kind of waiting, okay, they're going to do their thing, people are going to win, people are going to lose, a couple millionaires out there. What is your reaction to hearing this was going to be their pay-per-view?
1: Oh, boy. You know, we've had many conversations about the – the health of uh, you know pay-per-view for anyone that's not the UFC and it seems sort of weak you know needs some vitamins and PFL was was doubling down on doing a a pay-per-view now they're with the SPN and so there's a you know um, not a format there's a uh, formula there right you know plug and play essentially they know how to do it with the UFC even though the UFC produces their own pay-per-views, but there's something there. There's a framework. Okay. Um, my first thought was, wow, that's faster than I expected. The second thought is, what's the price? Because that's really going to be the, re- the, the 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 difference maker here for you know failure or or moderate success. I'm not expecting this to get to be knocked out of the park, right? I don't think anyone is. But if you want moderate success, I don't know what that number looks like, but it really depends on the price. $19.99, $24.99, I think think that's where I want it to be. $29.99, you're you're making me tug at my collar. If you go $35.99, I'm going to be annoyed, but I'll still pay it. So I don't know. The lineup itself, you know, being the finals, okay, fine. You know, but but look, a lot of the big names we were hoping to, to be there weren't aren't going to be there, right? And so it's kind of um, like just a, basically a Kayla Harrison pay-per-view. Uh, maybe the Shane Burgos-Marlon Moraes fight will be amazing, but is that worth pay-per-view dollars? I don't think so.
0: I mean, so let's talk about that. You have Harrison Pacheco. Um, I, I got the rundown right now. Brendan Loughnane, Bubba Jenkins, Burgos Moraes, you touched on. Ante D'Elia against Matouche Scheffel, uh, Olivier Obon mercier against Stevie Ray, Sadebussy S- versus Delano Taylor. You just have... Um, look, uh, in terms of fights, they've done well this year. Um, obviously, um, Delano Taylor coming out of nowhere upsets R- Rory McDonald. Uh, you know, you got that Cinderella story there. But I think that when we've gotten essentially these fights for the last two years for free TV. Yep. And now they're putting them behind a paywall. That is, um, I'll be honest. I know what fans are going to say about paying any dollar amount for that. Okay. That's fine. Um, I, I do have questions about Shane Burgos fighting Marlon Moraes. It kind of felt like you really could have paired them up with absolutely anybody else. And when it would have felt like a better idea, um, <laughs> especially for Marlon, it's I like, know. well, you're just, burning your two new signees and maybe that's how they want to do it okay um especially for marlon dude i'm sorry to interrupt you but when
1: i saw that matchup i was like oh my gosh can you let the guy win please win a fight get some confidence that's tough
0: so i I, i'm gonna hit you with the curveball there and this is from conjecture this is from some educated guesses Ariel Hawani goes on his show, and he says, because uh, the, there's still a slot for a, quote, showcase fight. And Ariel did say, you know, I know they're planning something big. And he said, if it becomes what I think it's going to become, it will likely overshadow everything else on the card. Okay. Mr. Jake Paul is talking about making his MMA debut with news very soon. Hmm. Who works for MVP Promotions and has a good relationship with Jake? Ariel. Who, and, and, and so really, I'm he like... Who works for Jake Paul? MVP Promotions, Jake Paul's company. Like, Chelsea and revealed that Ariel is essentially their guy for a lot of their press conference stuff. Okay. So... What what do I think? I think that gives him a bit more of an in than most of the media with uh, the future of Jake. Okay. But I'm going to just sum this up. Assuming PFL is putting their money where their mouth is, the idea of Jake Paul having his MMA debut on top of the PFL championships and putting that behind a paywall That could be enough to make people say, you know what, I'm about to spend money on a PFL pay-per-view. And I think that there is enough conjecture to say that that, that it's not out of the question. Now, who could it be? I feel like Scott Coker was a little mum on whether or not Dylan Danis is actually under contract with Bellator anymore. Part of me believes that Dylan just, I don't know what else to say. He just let his contract expire. He just decided he didn't want to get punched in the face, but wanted to talk trash and just, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just not going to fight. So if he is available, Dylan Dennis being smaller coming off a, a long layoff. Yeah. And you make that fight in PFL? Ooh, boy. Is that That's really what me. you think? Is I, that what you think? Think that that I cannot think of any other reason why you would put that fight be, put this card behind a paywall, unless you really have the the golden goose. You got that golden egg from the goose somewhere, and I mean, you're just waiting. Yeah, it's hidden under the blanket.
1: That would be something, man. And and it's a little carnival, right? But that and works. That, that works. You know that that'll get your eyeballs and it sort of elevates everything else. Like just hearing that that's a possibility makes me think like, oh, you know, maybe Kayla and Pacheco three will be pretty good. And uh, you know, uh, all these other folks, uh, Delano Taylor, blah, blah, blah. Weirdly, I'm getting a little excited if that's true. I didn't expect that, but I think a lot of it has to do with like, um, you know, Floyd Mayweather, everyone just wanted to see, you know, either you were a fan of his and that's why you watched, or you were a fan of wanting to see him get beat. Right, and that's why he bought his fights. It didn't really necessarily matter who he was up against, especially in the later years. So it kind of makes me think—that's what it makes me think of, as far as Jake Paul is concerned. Like, you don't necessarily care who he's fighting; you just want to see him get beat finally. Um, you know, when's the Anderson Silva fight?
0: October twenty-nine.
1: Okay. And so the-
0: essentially, he'd have less than a month for everything.
1: So presumably, he, he, he- MMA, I guess.
0: He could be doing them at the same time. He could just be saying it's 47-year-old Anderson. It's not Anderson who was on my YouTube 10 years ago. I don't... uh, That's my one caveat is that, you know what? That would be the sign that says that they're trying to do something crazy. Then again, like I said, imagine if PFL said, Jake... We have the proverbial offer you can't refuse.
1: yeah, what kind of money would they have to throw at him?
0: They didn't a, they didn't have to pay for cyborg or they're not <laughs> there yet. So yeah, it's like, that's
1: true. Wow, okay, I feel weird about getting about being really interested in this possibility, but it's a little exciting. What do you think? What are, what, are you actually interested in seeing this?
0: I think that if you could pull that off, I would give the slow clap to PFL. Yeah. they th- That would be the Yair Rodriguez spinning back elbow on what's been a very rough 2022 season. <laughs> we yeah. We would not talk about anything else that happened with PFL besides the fact that they pulled that off.
1: That, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's fair. But Dylan Danis is... is- is you know he's got the grappling, but the size disadvantage that just which is perfect it. for Jake. Well, that's what he likes. Yes, that's but what not he does. For the MMA world.
0: <laughs> I think people won't care who he fights.
1: Yeah.
0: And, well, the Jake Paul fans won't care. They just care that him and Dylan will be talking.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. <sighs> Man. I'm exhausted thinking about that. I
1: know, jeepers.
0: Like, I just felt it in my soul on that show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there's no MMA to preview. It's an off week, but I think we've had enough. Um, next week, UFC Vegas 62, 61. Um, Alexa Grasso against Viviani Araujo. High stakes at Flyweight. You got to think, this fight is happening at a perfect time. Because the following week we get Chukagin versus Manfioto. Yeah. Which means that either way we're getting a flyweight challenger, you know, or the next fighter for Tyler Santos. And then they figure that out. So um, I like it. I think that is just, I, I just like that we have a fight with some real stakes going on. What about you?
1: Yeah. I think that's important, you know, like uh, this is rebuilding, right? To get those new contenders to the top. And so I'm I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, so I think it's going to be a good one. Obviously, we'll be back next week. We'll preview it. We'll talk about the weekend news. Hopefully, we're talking about Jake Paul, Dylan Danis, just so we could enjoy (laughs) this one more time. Uh, But until then, guys, thanks for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Have a good one.